happy to be back with another insightful conversation. This is Fluid Truth, and I'm attorney Shirley Skyers Thomas. We explore a simple question of whether there is equity in the justice system. The content offered in this segment is personal reflection and interpretation. The views of my guests are not necessarily the views of Fluid Truth or Quinnipiac University. For clarity, this conversation has been edited. My guest today is Mr. Barry Diamond, Executive Director of Reentry Survivors, LLC, which is the home to the PRIDE program, P-R-I-D-E, standing for People Reentering into Doing Entrepreneurship. It's a course exclusively for inmates, release inmates, and those with a criminal background for them to be able to learn how to start their own business. We sat down to discuss his work, his personal story, and his passion for helping those who were formerly incarcerated. It was a great conversation that we had right here at Fluid Truth. And again, I'm welcoming my guest, Mr. Barry Diamond. Barry, so glad that you're able to join me for this conversation. Welcome to Fluid Truth. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. And when I got a wind of who you are and all that you've done, both in the city of Bridgeport, all in Connecticut, I said, man, we have to sit down and talk. So can I pause for a second? Tell me a little bit about your background. Tell me where you're from and how you come to have this conversation with me this afternoon. Yeah, sure. Um, I'm obviously Barry Diamond. Uh, I'm the executive director of a uh, program called the Pride Program, which is a um, training program for people that are either incarcerated or coming out of uh, prison. And uh, basically, I'm a uh, Brooklyn boy from New York. Uh, (laughs) uh, And my family and I came to uh, Connecticut. Uh, my background is uh, I've uh, run a successful consulting company, uh, training other companies how to uh, run better. So that you know, that's the kind of uh, uh, background I, I have, and uh, just got involved with uh, making wrong decisions, and uh, wound up uh, going to prison for several years. And uh, while there, learned a lot about myself and a lot about uh, other people and their needs and how, uh, you know, we could wind up helping them uh, when I discovered that uh, a lot of people could succeed, but uh, they just didn't know a lot of things. And so if I could help them with that, I could help them with their life. And that's the game changer, because Again, in speaking with you, we gain perspective and we all have different stories. We all all have different accounts of things that have happened to us. And yours is really unique. But I believe that we can use this as an opportunity, similarly to what you do in your job already, to bring someone else along. So tell me a little bit about um, when were you incarcerated and tell me about that process. Um, actually, I've been out of prison for um, 10 years. And so uh, in uh, uh, 10 years ago, I spent two years in prison, was uh, sentenced to six years. And uh, because uh, I was one of those early people that they looked at and said, uh, you know, uh, we don't think uh, we're housing you and keeping you here. Um, we'll make a difference one way or another. You're much better outside uh, and, uh, you know, getting on with your life. You're not a danger to anybody. It was a white collar crime. It was not violent. And they just felt so I was the early rush of people that were uh, reviewed. And uh, I was 
split out. And so um, what I what I basically what I basically uh, learned when I was there was that there are an awful lot of people that are not being helped. Uh, when they get out, they can't find jobs. Uh, so there is an injustice to the justice system. And the reason for that is it's more or less a warehousing uh, type of uh, uh, setup where um, th- th- if they keep you, the thought is if they keep people that are criminals away from society, society will be better and those people can't commit crimes. And uh, the problem is that it might be partially true for some, uh, but the bigger problem that we're discovering now is that when they're released, they come back and now we're your neighbor. And we also are filling your gas tank up. We're, we're delivering you an Uber. Uh, we're, we're, we're actually somebody that is, um, could be your neighbor. Uh, I could be tutoring your kid. Uh, as it turns out, I am. Uh, and, and so the bigger problem is unless you prepare me for my reentry coming out, um, th- there's a problem. And so we bump into each other. And I also, by the way, am somebody that is going into your pizza place and buying food. I'm supporting you. I'm paying taxes. Now, if you don't help me, I don't pay taxes. So there is something that uh, I wound up finding out in prison. And that was I got to buy diapers, too. And it made me think when I heard that, I said to somebody, well, what do you mean by that? And they said, well, when I come out, I I have a family. I have to buy things. I have to do things. And unless I'm able to support myself and my family, I'm going to have a problem. And I said, well, how long before you're going to have a problem? And the answer was really interesting. If I don't find a job or, or some way to have some money in my pocket, you know, within 90 days, I'm going to go back to crime. I, I have to buy diapers. I must support my family. So if we understand that mindset, we have a little bit better idea of why is it important to take care of somebody in prison. You know, the thought is, well, gee, they, they're a criminal. They did bad things. Why should we be helping them? And the problem is if you don't, it becomes a bigger problem. Could I just give you one reason why people shouldn't be incarcerated? Give me a bunch, but give me one. Absolutely. There was a time when my wife came up to visit me and we were talking and a lot of people, as you probably know, don't get visitors. And so, you know, they were very uh, uh, inquisitive. And one fellow said to me when I came back, um, you know, what did your wife talk about? He just wanted to know, you know, because he never got visits. And so I said, my wife asked me a question and that was, what did you learn today? Interesting question. He looks at me and says, would you like to learn something today? I said, sure. He says, how would you like to learn how to make a bomb? Now, that is the reason why we've got to watch out incarcerating people. This was a real straightforward, 
ability that if I wanted to learn how to make a bomb, he was so happy to teach me. So what are some of the things we're learning? Bad things. That's that's the reason why I wanted to tell you that story. If you want to know why, you, you should watch out incarcerating everybody. So you get some young people, never been incarcerated. They're in, they're in for, for you know, uh, a weed. They're in for a minor drug, and somebody's going to teach them how to make a bomb. Well, you're wondering why they're coming out bad? All right, that's the reason. I'm sorry. I just had to tell you that because it is the problem that I saw. But I did discover that there are an awful lot of nice people that I met who were, you know, I'm going to live. I thought I was pretty talented and smart. I met a lot of people much smarter than me and much more talented. And I said, you know, what what a waste if they were on the outside, they could really do something with their lives. And and so uh, I, I decided to think about, you know, what what can I help? What can I do? What do I have that I could give to people that need help? And I discovered knowledge. Um, I had the background and knowledge of how to succeed in business. And that's what I basically knew. My background was, uh, you know, I owned a company that, that did that for a living. And so I knew what to do and how to do it. And I myself wound up uh, having a company for 27 years that was very successful and made a lot of money. So I certainly knew how to do it. And so I try to think, well, why, why don't these people know these things? That's so natural. And I started to think... My background was I had a mother and a father and a brother and a house and we had a car and my parents went to work. And, you know, so why doesn't everybody know everything like this? And, and really talking to people, I've discovered they didn't have this. Many of them are one parent, uh, you know, families. Uh, they wound up wound up uh, in a neighborhood where, where, you know, every day someone was being shot and killed. And I thought to myself, I've never seen that. In my whole life, I never saw anybody shot and killed. And people were telling me every day, every day somebody's getting shot and, 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 and no reason. And, and it, was, it was just shocking. To, to discover that I had a background that equipped me to understand because my father was in business and and my my mother made dinner was always at six o'clock. You know, it's so funny that we we all don't realize what we have because we're in it. So when we understand what people don't have, we can put together a, 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 a story in our head about, well, why is it occurring? So I had a background of understanding about business because my father was in business. I went into business. As it turned out, my I have three sons. They all are in business. So why is my picture different than their picture? The difference was they didn't have someone to see they didn't have information where they got it. It's not taught in school. So 
you don't even know the question to ask because you don't know there's a question. It's as simple as that. So I, I, I realized, you know, well, what do I know that the others didn't know? What kinds of tips did I uh, go through? What kinds of mistakes did I make that I knew the right way? I call it stepping on the right steps across the pond so I don't fall in the water. You know, it's as simple as that. So let me ask you this, Barry, let me interrupt you for a second. So when you're encountering different people with different backgrounds, what was the overarching thought that you had that made you want to launch into a new type of business that you've been in for a little while? What was that overarching thought? Well, the overall thought was, why are there people who are that smart and that talented not going way ahead Making a lot of money, being a part of their 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 uh, having careers, supporting families, and why are they having so much trouble? It didn't make sense. Since speaking to them, they were pretty smart, and they also had a lot of talent. And I'm saying to myself, it doesn't seem to add up. Yeah, the talent that they have, the reason why they weren't succeeding heavily is simply because they didn't know what I would call rules of the road. Um, You know, success in life and not just in business in general is really based on thinking correctly. That's really the, the essence of it. If you think correctly you will start to go in the right direction and then you just need to follow through with either getting more education or thinking more, having the right contact, and you can learn all these things. But it starts with thinking correctly. So I always say to all my students something really interesting. I'm going to I'm gonna, uh, 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 crack some myths. I'm, I'm going to break up myths. Um, go for it. I, I want to ask a question. How many people think practice makes perfect? And I raise my hand and everyone, of course, everyone does it. Okay, you're all wrong. Now, let me tell you why. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) That's the shock. I I go for shock value. Uh, why, Why is it wrong? If you were practicing something incorrectly, you would never have it correct. So the right saying is perfect practice makes perfect. I love that. So. Here's the problem that we're all facing in life. We all tend to have what we think is a way of knowing what's right. It's kind of, you know, inside we know when it's right. So I just showed you why it's not always correct. And it has to do with where did you get that idea from? Well, the idea came from a mother, a father, a brother, a sister, somebody down the block, a grandparent. Somebody said that to you, and then people started to say it to you. The more people said it to you, the more you said, well, of course it's correct. Now, the lesson that I try to teach people in the class is if you think something is correct, the first thing I want you to do is I want you to say to yourself, why do I think it's correct? If you cannot give yourself an answer that makes sense, stop. Think about why gather data to prove to yourself that that's correct. So that's one of the lessons that we have in in the training that I do. And it's very important to break myths right away so that people understand they're not thinking correctly yet. Mm. They can, but they're not. 
And it's within the ability of most people of average intelligence to think correctly. You're hitting so many great points right there, Barry. So tell me about the training program. Let's just go back for a moment. And I do understand the impetus for doing it. I understand that you saw talent. You saw a pool of talent and said to yourself, not in these words, but said to yourself, what could I do? So what did you create? Okay, let me tell you. You want to know a little bit about the program? Okay, I started a a reading club while in in prison uh, and... Uh, many people were good readers and we were having discussions about books and I'm starting to realize these people are politically acute. Uh, you know, they, they, they knew, they knew about what was happening in the world. They could think well, some of them, uh, uh, one of them was a Buddhist and he brought me books on Buddhism and I learned about Buddhism. So I was, I was in a, in, in a well of knowledge that wasn't being directed properly. So here I am saying to myself, look at how much I succeeded and how well I did with so little. And here are people that have so much and they're just not being directed. So if I can help them direct, maybe I can help society. Maybe I can help my my village, my town, my country, you know, Uh, and that's what started my thinking about uh, this this particular program, which we call the Pride Program, and it's people re-entering into doing entrepreneurship. And it is a, a course for people that are incarcerated, people that are already out, uh, and we expanded it to people that are in their family because we realize the effect of family members on, on the, uh, somebody in their family being incarcerated. I'm glad that you included the family members because that's so significant because it impacts everyone. We're learning a lot. And on our board of advisors, we have mental health experts. We have psychiatrists, psychologists. Uh, we have people, wardens. We have people from uh, the FBI, people from the uh, attorney general's office. Uh, we, we, we have a lot of people that are inputting uh, the, the, the style of training that we have, which is different. Uh, let me first start off by saying that our, our course is very different. Uh, and, it is, it, and what makes it different, it is copyrighted. Uh, the U.S. government felt that it was so original and different that they gave us a copyright. Now, wh- what is different about it? What's different is that we learned that when people come out of prison, they're like deer in a headlight. Uh, they are, are so stunned by what happened. Uh, also, they are currently not able to immediately start learning. So you can't teach them. So, you know, people that interact with people coming out of prison have this effect. They say, uh, oh, they're dumb. They're slow. Uh, They can't seem to follow directions. Well, I want to put you in a room 10 by 10 for 23 hours a day with nothing to do for 10 years. And let's see how bright you are, folks. All right. Um, So that discovery made me realize that you need to teach them how to learn again and then teach your material. That is what is what makes our course so original. We teach them. We ground them and we we work a lot on self-image. And, and and positive mental attitude, 
uh, thinking correctly. Uh, we spend a lot of time in getting them back to where they were prior to being incarcerated. And then we teach them. So I've told you my secret. Fortunately, I didn't tell you how we do it. But that is the <laughs> difference. And that's why we have some interesting statistics. Uh, as an example, this is uh, we're, we're in our ninth year of training. And I'm happy to say that the state incarceration rate is currently 63% of people go back. Our nine-year incarceration rate is 10%. Only 10% of our people go back. Um, and we, we have about 60% of the people either start their own business or start to work in a major job after graduation within three years. So what do you credit that 10% recidivism to? What do you credit that to? Well, um, what we do is we get to think people to think about who they are what they really want to do in life, and do they really have value, and what is it? And so we go through an awful lot of exercises that everybody think is, thinks is real cute, and they don't catch what we're really doing until it finally catches up to them. By the, fi by the time they realize what happened, they laugh. And the reason they laugh is because they realize that they have skills I'll give you an example. This is the icebreaker. Okay. We'll say to a, 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 a student, um, don't, don't say yes, don't shout, but just shake your head if you've ever sold drugs. And I go like that. And, of course, we have a lot of people shaking their heads. And I say, does everybody realize you are already in business? You are a wholesaler. All of you, listen to what you know already about doing business. You know how to advertise. You know how to find customers. You know how to give samples. You know how to charge. You know how to bill and collect. All right? And the list goes on and on and on. You are already a businessman. What I'm going to ask everyone to do is I don't want you to change the fact that you're a hustler. I just want you to do something with your talents that show you how to do everything. And I want you to do it with something that's legal, not illegal. That's the only thing I want. I don't want you to change. I just want you to sell something that absolutely will keep you out of jail. And they are astounded when I say that. None of them ever realized that they were businessmen already. Just change your product, I tell them. That's a good hook, too. That's a good hook. It's a great hook because the first thing it gets them to realize is, hey, I can do it. I already did it. I'm just going to learn how to do it legal. And they also realize you have transferable skills. You have things, 50% of what you need to do, you already have. You just don't realize it. So this course is about getting you to realize who you are, the talent you have, the skills you have, and organize you so that you can think how to use it correctly. That's all we do. So why does it work? It works because people discover that they are valuable. 
that they have a value, that their mother and father who might have told them that they're no use, that they're useless, they can never succeed, they can, it didn't matter. It didn't matter because I'm asking you to do the evaluation now. It doesn't matter what somebody said about you. What do you think of you? So we, we are doing something that people refuse to do. And the reason they don't want to do it is they're afraid for people to face themselves. And I'm telling you that we have so much value regardless of where we are. How, how can I prove it? Everybody that is a student of mine is down in their luck and sinking. And I ask them a question. Do you know somebody that needs something that you can have, that you already have or can give them. And everyone says yes. Yep. Now, yep. isn't that interesting? You have value to someone else. That value proves that somebody needs you, that you are important to somebody. You just don't know who that, that somebody is. And by the way, by the time you finish our school, you're going to learn that person is really you in the end. I love that. I love that. That's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. We must learn who we are. You're going right back to the mindset, which I really enjoy that. And initially we were talking about, you know, equity in the justice system. We're always talking about that. And the point was that there is inequity <laughs> in how things are carried out. And yep. your great contribution here, I just want to underscore that, is education. So when individuals are able to see themselves, they see their path forward. And I think you're adding the, hu you're humanizing it. You're adding the humanity yeah. to the process that could have been stripped the humanity that could have been peeled back through the system that exists for us right now, f through the justice system, through the incarceration system, through the criminal system. Yeah. And we're adding back yeah. the humanity. And that's the piece I love. It's all about humanity. By the way, one of the interesting things is, is I have a secret weapon. And I'll tell you what it is. The secret weapon is that I start each course with telling them a little bit about my background, that I that uh, what I've done, and so, and then I casually say, by the way, that I mentioned that I was in prison for a couple of years, and then they go, "Whoa, one right, of us!" Right, right. Okay, so when you have people that are training people, and they themselves have no background. Uh, it's a professor or somebody who's reading from a manual or a book. They're not listening. They, they want to hear from somebody who went through it and did something about it. By the way, speaking of that, um, we, we just got partnered with the University of Bridgeport and we are, we are now connected uh, to them as a uh, sanctioned approved course for college. That's amazing. Congratulations all, on all the expansion and congratulations on all the partnerships and the international piece. Man, I'm so glad that you're able to provide this component of education. It's really important. How about when I was sitting in prison and they told me in a couple of weeks, you're going to be released. That was 10 years ago. I had a vision that I would come out 
And one day I would be holding classes, teaching people how to go into business for themselves and talking to people like you about what I'm doing. Guess what? Thank you. 10 years, my vision is true. If you didn't even have that concept of some things aren't right, some things shouldn't happen the way they do. So thank you for being a visionary there. That's amazing. Well, I was I was helped an awful lot. Um, obviously, my background uh, was a lot different than a lot of people that uh, were in prison. And um, a, a lot of them looked out for me, which was really interesting. Uh, I was older and uh, I was not a threat and I was friendly and uh, willing to help people do things. Uh, and uh, I was perceived as OK. Uh, I was an OK OG. Uh, and, and that, 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 that was the beginning of, of being accepted and, uh, people there, uh, looked out for me cause there were danger spots, uh, and, and, uh, they made sure that, uh, I was okay. And, and so, uh, I was, uh, one story is, uh, interesting. Uh, I was looking to get a, um, religious, uh, book in uh, to uh, f- uh, for my studies, Bible studies, and uh, they wouldn't permit it. Isn't that something? Uh, and uh, they they just wouldn't allow it under any circumstances. And so one night, um, somebody knocked on my door, and it was the imam, the Islamic leader in the prison, uh, who I didn't know, but because I'm not uh, from that religion, and but I, I knew him, I saw him. And he came to my cell and he said, are you diamond? And I said, yes. And he slipped something under the door. And I said, what is that? And he says, your Bible that you wanted. And I said, how did you know? He said, it just so happens that your religious leader is my personal friend. He told me about it and I wanted you to have it. You know why? Because all of us should have the right to pray the way we want to. So I learned a lot of lessons in prison. I found an awful lot of opening of my mind and allowing me to see past my own experience and to see other lives and see how they got affected. And that's that's why my thinking was, well, maybe I can make a little help, maybe I can make a corridor and help people that need help just a little. By the way, um, when my first class, somebody came to me and said, I need need, uh, $50. And I said, why? Uh, He said, well, because I I got a job. I got my CDL. Uh, I'm going to be a driver. Uh, And the company says that I need to uh, get my record. And when I went to the the, uh, 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 Motor Vehicle Bureau, I needed $20 plus copies plus this. So I need about 50 bucks to get the record. I said, well, what's going to happen if you get the record? And he said, well, I'll get a job. I said, well, how much will that job pay you? He says, I'll make about 50 grand. I said, are you serious? Yeah. So... If you know anything about getting money, nobody has it. So I took the money out of my own pocket. I gave him the money and I said, you better come back here in an hour showing me that that record. So I want to zoom eight years down the road. The man is making about 80 grand a year. He got promoted. He's a supervisor. 
The reason for my story, what it taught me, I saved a man's life for 50 bucks. So when we think it takes a lot of money and a lot of effort and a lot of everything to make a difference in a person's life, I did it for 50 bucks, which proved to me sometimes it ain't much. My biggest takeaway today is when you have compassion, you look for the humanity in others. And when you seek that humanity, it benefits all of us. It benefits all of us. Absolutely. We are all one human race. Don't forget I it. I love that. That's what we're going to end on. Yeah. Barry, I appreciate this conversation so much. And we My are pleasure. so proud of you for the work that you're doing and the expansion. And there's a lot of support out there for you. Lots of support. Thank you so much. All right. Thanks for listening in today. Special thanks to our producer, Raynette Shapu and executive producer, David DeRoche. Shout out to the Fluid Truth crew for their assistance. That's Jillian Calano and Jake McCarthy. On the next show, I'll be sitting down with Dr. Don Sawyer and Ms. Asia Skyers. Music is provided by Audio Hero from their Jazz Lounge album. To learn more about all of our podcasts, visit qu.edu slash podcast. You can listen to our podcast on the platform or app of your choice. Be sure to check us out on Twitter and Instagram at QUPodcasts. If you have a story to share or something you want to talk about, find us on social media or shoot us an email. The address is QUPodcast at QU.edu. All right, that's it for today. Till next time.